Today, we're talking to Puneet from Amberflow about the capabilities, history, and workplace impact of ChatGPT. You're listening to Joel Beasley, Modern CTO. I actually used ChatGPT to write some interview questions. It was, okay. it was pretty fascinating. So I took what you're history was, your bio on LinkedIn, and I said, hey, ChatGPT, I'm talking to him today. Here's his background, here's his bio. And then I said, this is the type of startup he's building. And I just told it a bunch of stuff about you. So now they know about you, the, the AI no. does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I... Okay. No, one is like, that's so cool. And I'm not surprised, you know what, because uh, we played around with it too. I played around with it. And uh, first I was just, uh, what it's spit out was just insanely amazing you know i asked just you know just stuff like uh why would anybody use usage-based pricing or why is usage-based pricing better right or um how would you get started i think something along those lines and man it literally just spit out line by line you know sort of a pretty much a playbook so anyways we, we can talk about that but my take is uh as exciting and as powerful it is I have a feeling that they had to be crawling LinkedIn data as a huge source of input into this chat GPT. There's no way an AI engine today can not just bring the right content together, but also formulate it in the way that it's spitting out content. Uh, anyway, that that's my thesis. Like they are, they are, they have behind the scenes view that Google does not. And considering that you know Chat GPT is Microsoft and and Reed uh, Hoffman sponsored and all that good stuff, I yeah. This stuff, oh, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's yeah. no way, there's no way a job. This, like, uh, some of the stuff, what AI engine, man? I mean, AI engine is the we know what it is, but uh, I think what they have built is a huge classification mechanism. You know, they've once you have the content, yes, you know, in real time, question comes up, which blocks to bring together and how to sort of structure them, and that's magic right there itself. But there's no way that there's some AI engine out there that's articulating what is the value of usage-based pricing relative to subscription. It has to be, it had to be curated by something that's already out there. Like if you look at the first as a LinkedIn profile, like I've written about this stuff and I've written articles on LinkedIn and then LinkedIn has specific groups where people talk about this stuff, right? So there, if you take those, uh, that input into a, an AI ML engine, yeah, now you got you know, a good source of input that you can do something better on top. So this is, I think, something that's been off limits to Google. So this stuff, I, I just amazed nobody has really talked about this or even asked about this. Hey, you know, what's going on potentially behind the scenes? But what, what's your take or anything? I think they have to have access to the LinkedIn data. Yeah, I haven't asked it about LinkedIn stuff. I don't know where they're getting their information. And you're exactly right. The One of the reasons why Copilot by GitHub is so great is because Microsoft bought GitHub, they used ChatGPT, they trained it on the entirety of the public repos for GitHub. It makes sense that I'm sure somewhere in LinkedIn, there's a line in the privacy policy that's going to allow it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for sure, I think. And uh, I think this is like, if you just kind of work your way backwards, I think just how the group, excuse me, you know, how the group came together, I mean, who's, who's behind it? I mean, all the power to them. I think it's ultimately a good thing and force for the good. But I think they do have some competitive uh, advantage that they have some behind-the-scenes view and do things that others do not. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I kind of want them to because America as a country, which I love, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of America, 
it's given me everything, right? But we are falling behind as a country as far as technological innovation and AI initiatives, publicly at least. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes governmentally, but publicly we're falling behind. You'll see spots like Canada and China advancing way farther in their programs and AI. So the idea that this is happening you know, partly on American soil by a U.S. citizen, I think Musk is technically a U.S. citizen, um, that's, that's great because then we get the open one. I think we can all trust Musk a little bit because I've been watching him for 10 years. And I love the idea when I first heard about it. Let's make this, it's going to happen anyways. He was scared. He ran around. Have you heard the story about him running around to the government trying to tell them like to stop this? And then he, when they said no, he ultimately just said, all right, we're going to build it first. Yeah. 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 I, I've heard him talk about that. You know, if it's not under some guidelines, they could kind of, you know, get out of control. I, I know, I remember him talking about it in that context. And uh, I think, this is uh, true. I mean, if you look at chat GPT, it's, I think it shocked a lot of people, like what it is capable of doing. I think it's a, it's a huge leap forward, you know, because prior to chat GPT, uh, it was a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of enhancement here, there, whatever you might have, like, you know, in e-commerce or, you know, but I think chat GPT is just like, it was sort of this big leap, right? That we, that we look for in tech, sort of, uh, you know, an exponential growth curve, right? The step function growth. So yeah, I think uh, I don't know where he stands on this, but uh, is he? He's not part of the this group, is he? Elon Musk. He either was asked to be a part of it and didn't do it, or he's actively involved in it. I'm fairly certain he was one of the lead investors at the beginning. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So then, uh, well, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And by the way, just uh, you touched on something. You know, as uh, America, I mean, I'll give you my perspective as an immigrant. Uh, let just just be on the record. I mean, there's no country on this planet, despite all the problems that we have, that is still the most immigrant-friendly and a platform for immigrants like me to come in and achieve a dream and really think outside the box. I mean, bar none. Nothing, no, no place even comes close, let me put it in those terms. So there's still, you know, a bunch of things that are in flux right now of all the things that are happening with the divide and all that, but uh, but that still holds true, man. Yeah, I, I don't have a ton of of global experience with immigration, but I do have several friends that have immigrated, and some just have their green card, some have obtained citizenship, and they are honestly far more vocal than any other Americans I know about immigration issues, right? They get, they get frustrated that they went through all the paperwork and the time and the process to get in and that other people are getting in in different ways. And uh, so for me, I just let them run with that because they have more credibility than I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> much. yeah no, there's that. That is for sure, right? You know, uh, just the processes, I think, definitely can be improved. I think it's actually fallen behind over the years. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I think that for sure. And I, I, I also hear stories about folks who are kind of caught up on the short end of it, and it can be, you know, pretty uh, brutal. It can really have an impact. Uh, so I think, yeah, there, there's definitely a need for improvement there. But if you've come out of it, and I'm a living, you know, case study, as there are several, many hundreds, thousands, uh, tens of thousands. Yeah, there's, I mean, the ecosystem that, that exists here, there's, there's just nowhere else. And I've, I've lived around the world, like, you know, I'm originally from India, but my parents' uh, family moved to Europe when I was 13 years old. So I finished up my middle school and high school in Holland, in the Netherlands. So I lived there for a few years. 
And then I came to U.S. when I was uh, ripe age of 18, started my undergrad at Ohio State. And it's never been, uh, never looked back, you know. When you were doing your undergrad, was it in the technology field? It was, yeah. I, I went to Ohio State, did my computer science and engineering. And that was great. I, you know, I was four years undergrad at Ohio State, and then I, stick, I stepped around for another couple of years, worked uh, in the greater Columbus area. And then uh, back in the day, um, there was a company called SGI, Silicon Graphics. That was a big hot ticket in town in the Bay Area. They're the ones who recruited me out of Ohio, brought me to the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And that's when sort of my journey started. And now you're in usage-based pricing. And pricing. so when... I mean, AI, for, for the open AI, that's going to be uses-based, correct? That seems the most logical. Seems to be the most logical. I'd be, I'd be surprised if it isn't. Let's put it that way. Yeah, particularly for something like AI ML. Do you think that because it's... Well, first of all, do you think it's going to become commoditized, like a race to the bottom for pennies for the chat GPT technology? I don't think so. Uh, I think, to be honest with you, I think there's not enough information for one of the aspects that we just discussed. I mean, if they do have a disproportionate competitive advantage, like if they have exclusive access to something like LinkedIn data, then I don't think it's a race to the bottom, then they just have a competitive edge. I mean, you know, because I think the wealth of information that today sits in a platform like LinkedIn, I think that leaps and bounds orders of magnitude different than anything else. Nothing comes close to it. You, you can go crawl on anything else. You, you're just a minuscule compared to, I think, what LinkedIn has. I think just because it comes pre-formatted, pre-structured in a way, that gives you a huge, huge leg up for what chat GPT and other platforms like chat GPT would want to do. So if that checks out, then I think it's not a race to the bottom because I think uh, these folks who are behind chat GPT and, you know, folks like Reed Hoffman, I think... Uh, they can hold it up and everybody else is going to try to play catch up. Do you think Google's going to mine the data it has? Because one quick story about them is I registered on TikTok because I was doing an interview with the CISO there and it was showing me stuff it thought that men wanted to see. And so I got introduced, even though I didn't like, like the content, I got introduced to this concept of these short videos, right? I hadn't yeah. really seen that before. And then I went over into YouTube Shorts and it knew me so well. So TikTok, even after I tried to tell it, it just didn't know me at all. It kept showing me irrelevant stuff. But I go over to YouTube and Google's known me for 15 years. And yeah. they just were showing me things left and right, exactly what I wanted. So now, you know, I watch, I look at YouTube, you know, once or twice a week at the shorts and it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, now they have all that data, right? Do you think yeah. that they're able to tap into that data and make a competitor... Yeah. To GPT-3? See, here's, a, here's my take. I think, I think things are going to get interesting. Uh, I'll answer that in, in just a second, but you know, I, I want to throw out what my lens is, and I'd love to kind of get your feedback, see what you think. See, even before getting into chat GPT, what has happened over the last five, 10 years, uh, and what collectively we've been calling the FANG set of companies, right? Okay. Which is, you know, what is Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, uh, Alphabet, and Amazon. I think we could reasonably say the FANG has, you know, collectively everything that a human does, you and I, you know, 80% of that interaction, whatever is being 
can be captured is being captured by Fang. Okay. As you said, okay, you know, because what is our daily thing? You know, it's Gmail, email, YouTube, TV, content, right? And then uh, professional networks like LinkedIn and then social networks, Facebook, whatever you have it. So this information is already out there. Now, what I'm seeing is I sort of view within Fang sort of two nexus. You have the camp of uh, Facebook and uh, LinkedIn. I think I put them together because of the Microsoft connection. And then you have Google. And then you have Google and, and their properties. And, and and I think maybe the holdout uh, sort of the uh, uh, non-aligned, if you would, would be the Amazon. Okay. But they have sort of their own things within each one of those two. Right. But I can tell you, we can unpack the Amazon aspect of it too, because I spent a few years there. So I can kind of uh, share with you sort of what their thinking is, how they look at the world. It's very different from everybody else in the FANG. Okay. So, so this has been going on. And Google clearly had been leading for the five, 10 years, right? It's, it's just unstoppable. I mean, just you look at their revenue and, and their margin and what they're just, just printing money and over fist on the backs of advertising. So one part of me says, you know, I think chat GPT is good because I think somebody can finally come up with that could potentially offer something to an average consumer out there uh, as a matter of tools or value that could be just as profound and useful and in the flow of things, of daily things, as search is, okay? And I think we're just starting to see some examples of this, but it'll be interesting to see where it goes if it sticks, right? So ChatGPT, like you said, I just, you, you know, they've got my profile, they probably told you, here are the five questions to ask me. I mean, that's huge, right? Because otherwise, you would have to hire some folks to kind of go do research and, you know, spend some money and, and do all of that. So there's, there's tremendous value there. And I said, it's still within Fang, so somebody else could not have done it. You know, I could not have raised hundred million dollars from a VC and say I go build Chat GPT unless I had a Reed Hoffman backing me and I had a connection to Microsoft and I could crawl LinkedIn and I could crawl Facebook, right? So I think what we're going to find is that if this is what it plays out, I think what Chat GPT will be able to give you will will be on a value metric, perhaps over time, more than what Google can give you. I think to me, Google is still more in the realm of entertainment. Certainly they do their properties, you know, they give you free tools, but then on the back of it, it's all advertisement. But I think ChatGPT is perhaps opening that canvas a little bit where work can get done uh, at a productive level that we have not seen before. Okay. So I think there's a new vector coming into this whole equation. Uh, Google has always been doing what, what you are seeing is, you know, that's sort of their bread and butter. They've been able to connect these vectors, you know, where you spend time on the backs of the cookies, right? Uh, cookie tracking, all that. That's really what's going on, what you just outlined. It's basically that is, but that is sort of age old technology. They've been at it for the last five, 10 years. I feel there's a little bit of a pushback coming into that. If you've been reading about, you know, particularly the European Union uh, pushing back on cookies on the browser, uh, what would we call it, uh, third-party cookies, right? So blocking those. Uh, so I think there's uh, a little bit of push there. And I, and I say that because that aspect, Joel, I think has, is nearing its maturity curve from a, right? I think people are ultimately sort of getting tired. Governments are discovering the outs kind of gotten a little too much, right? And I think we need to sort of temper it down or need to put some guardrails around it. But here comes Chad GPT, totally revolutionary in its early innings. I think there's long ways to go before people will want to stop it because, quite frankly, consumers are want to, they want it. They're going to consume it. They want to see they're excited by it. 
So anyways, that's sort of sort of my take. So I, I'll go another sort of what I'm saying in the, at the end of it is I think the two for me are a little bit orthogonal. I, you know, Google will continue to do what it is, but I think it's out of tricks when it comes to something like chat, chat GPT. Do you think chat GPT creates, can create new information from existing data sets and make inferences? I think eventually. I'm, I'm a little skeptical that it's already there today. I don't think it is. Uh, I mean, I'd be just shocked if it is, because, you know, this is like achieving, um, you know, this is like uh, Ray Kurzweil achieving singularity, mm -hmm. right? I, I think I, I'd be just shocked that it just happened. And like, when did these guys start? Three years back, four years back, or no longer? They're about right. So. Yeah. Uh, at least, yeah. So definitely, I heard about it after I started the show, and I started it six years ago. So, yeah. So, no, oh, man, I just, I, I think, you know, like, if if that's what's happening right now, I'd be just shocked. I don't think they're there yet, but I do believe that they can get there because that they figured out that they have such a huge stepping, you know, they launched on this great launch pad on the backs of LinkedIn and uh, Facebook data. Yes, I think on the backs of that, as long as the input continues to come in, you know what I mean? So as long as, long as you know, you and I continue to pay our way into LinkedIn and make sure that, you know, we are updating our profiles. And, you know, if I'm launching a company to do usage-based pricing, I'm writing my blogs and articles and all of that. I think they could eventually get there. I see a whole app store <clears throat> emerging, right? Like, let's say we've got a company that is, you know, collecting like a Zoom info, or Josh can remind me of what the other company is that I talked to some really bright people from. But it's a dotted Bradstreet. Dun and Bradstreet. Uh, do you meet, yeah. yeah. They have these massive data sets, right? And they're constantly scraping and updating and processing APIs and moving insanely amounts, like like massive amounts of, of data around the world every day. And I could imagine that they would let chat they could let an instance of their chat GPT consume all of that. And then I can activate that as a source inside of chat GPT for a fee. And then now my GPT knows all of this new stuff. Yeah. Do you think that's going to emerge? That's a fascinating thought, idea. Uh, now, the way you've outlined it, 100%, because I think if that is their goal, and I, I see why not, which sort of lends credibility to a little bit sort of what I'm saying is that you kind of have to bring some semblance of accurate data, right? So as we, you know, as we say, you know, in God we trust, everyone else brings data. So I think, you know, for you to leverage, at least today, what I see from chat GPT, yes. So if you're Zoom Info, you already have a directory, sort of white pages, right, of uh, folks, their titles, where they work, and, and whatever that source is, I'm sure it's sort of traditional sources. They have people, the chroming things, whatever is accessible, you know, Wall Street, you know, whatever we have it. So they have that repository. Yes, now if I can layer the chat GPT engine on top of this repository. Yes, I do believe that they could really streamline first their own operations, but further enhance and how quickly and the quality of, of what they can output to their users. I think that is a, pretty much a slam dunk. So I think what you just said, I hadn't thought of it that way, but yes, uh, uh, a marketplace of sort, right? An app store. Yeah, certainly makes sense. Uh, to leverage the chat GPT engine in that way. I'm glad you're knowledgeable about this because I've been thinking about this quite a bit over the past two weeks. So I grew up 
being a software engineer, did that for 17 years until the show got popular enough to where uh, this became my full-time job. And then we started making shows for other companies. So that's the, the trajectory of it. But I still follow the technology and get to talk to great people like you doing interesting things. And I had never really been concerned about any technology. I mean, I see technology come and they'll abolish an industry and it's always really clear. Like, okay, this technology is emerging. Maybe an accounting efficiency software. All right, that'll probably drop accounting team sizes at large corporations because they're automating mundane tasks. But when you see something like chat GPT come out, it's it's brilliant. Like I was trying to struggle to say how it's not intelligent. And I'll give you an example. I've got kids under the age of five, right? So I'm really into watching how people learn from cool. a from a young age recently. And so if you give it information and ask it for conclusions, like it'll come to conclusions on the information and then it'll remember it in the future. And then you can talk to it with a lack of context. You can use this and he and that, and it'll figure out who you were talking about previously in the conversation. And so I'm struggling to figure out if you put the concept of soul aside, like spirit and soul aside, if you put that over there, how is it not just intelligence? See, again, my, my take is, and maybe, you know, I just have, and again, you know, both you and I come from technology backgrounds. So my immediate reaction was when I look at it, my brain starts to go and start, starts to unpack it immediately. Okay. Now, yes, I, I would say I'm not the de facto expert in EIML, but I've done a little bit of that. You know, we've all kind of tinkered around with it. Uh, so I'm, I'm generally aware of what the capabilities are, at least today, where sort of that sits. And uh, one of the things in, in AI ML uh, that before ChatGPT came out is, you know, garbage in, garbage out. I mean, if you're just feeding their model garbage data, it's not just suddenly going to give you some kind of insights that, you know, so, and if you look at all the popular AI ML models that are out there, they basically talk about that, right? So, uh, they can do some interesting things and in how they connect the dots within that data, but if the data is just garbage, uh, everything else that's going to come out of it is not going to be any better. So that's my understanding of AI ML, that it is not just, you know, some of this magical thing, you know, black box that is going to spit out some, you know, euphoria type or, you know, some kind of a utopian aspect. So having said that, my view is this, uh, I think back to sort of your, your thing of, you know, is, is it sort of intelligence? I think, Joel, what, what has happened is, like you said, in the last five to 10 years, the base has been created. And what I mean by that is you and I have divulged everything about us somewhere already. Okay. And I think the missing link was, which I think Chad GPT has brilliantly done has finally brought it together in a way and made it so that you can now interact with it in a meaningful slash real-time way. So there is some technology leap there. I certainly uh, call that out. But the data has already been out there. So what you just said, right, when your kids type in or as you type in some information, it can actually lead, can output a conclusion. I don't know. My first reaction is that Somebody probably has already spoken about that conclusion on some forum in LinkedIn or Facebook or something like that. Okay, somebody has expressed their opinion 
on this topic. Now, it wasn't exactly in the same words in perhaps what you asked. It wasn't uh, exactly said in the same words that Chad GPD put it out there for you. But I think the general you know, sense has been out there. That is what got fed into the model. I don't think the the intelligence aspect has, has quite emerged yet. So that's, you know, you see what I'm saying? I think it's still there. It's there in the repository. Yeah. Uh, and what it's doing is it's brilliantly picking it up uh, at the right time, at the right place, and maybe merging it with other narratives that have been uh, indexed. Uh, so it's aware of the context, and it's, you know, it's brilliantly sort of tagging how information is there. I'm losing it sort of in general terms. I'm sure it's been much, not more than that, which is what AIML is. But I still believe that a lot of it is today just based on stuff that's already been said. 100%. It's consuming the collective intelligence of humanity and then being able to query it. But it can also learn, right? And so I was just trying to figure out with spirit and soul aside, how do you differentiate organic human intelligence from computational intelligence? But what, what is the, the test or... You know, in law, you have to meet certain requirements for for conviction and things like that. Like, what is the attribute that defines the the difference between computational intelligence and human intelligence? I think if you think about what AIML is, and as you just said, it can learn. I think the lines are going to get blurry. Uh, I think we're already seeing some of that. Like, you know, I I come across these uh, sort of these videos where somebody's talking, you know, these snippets, and they tell you by the scenes, well, it's, it's, this was computer generated, right? Yeah, and if, unless somebody had told me that, there was no way I was figuring that out. So, yes, because somebody may have already said it so, the technology is able to superimpose, map it, put it in the context where a little bit of our own psychology, right? Because um, I'm sure there's a school of thought of this where, you know, if you the mind will immediately categorize something, right? Whether it's real or not, based on our experiences. And because now we are seeing things that look real, our mind immediately says, yeah, that, that is real. So I think uh, the distinction between intelligence and the human aspect of you know soul and uh, that innate ability to sort of decide right from wrong, just as one of the examples, I think the lines are going to get blurry because they're going to, it's going to play with our mind and, and we just have not encountered that. Our mind has not been developed to pause even when we see something that, that our mind tells real. We just don't have, I think, that DNA to, even when the mind is telling us that it's real to pause and then question the mind. So I think and that could be a little bit of uh, certainly uncharted territory and, and I, think could, I think we'll have to tread that carefully. I agree. It's this is why my mind is so unsettled. Typically I'll see a technology, I'll do the instant categorization, I'll see the clear path and it's that's it. My mind understands it and it wraps it up in a nice bow. Trying to figure out how GPT is going to impact the world is crazy. So one of the things I thought about was let's say in general it can replace a professional, like in the next five years, let's give it some time. In the next five years, it can replace a professional in 80% of professions that are a knowledge worker up to three years of experience, right? 
Well, what does that do to the job market? And what does that do to us as you know business owners, right? Because it's our job to constantly be watching the market because it's competitive and it's a jungle out here and you can just get sideswiped out of, out of nowhere. So it's important to be aware of the new technologies coming, right? You don't want to yeah. be the blockbuster. Yeah. But how do you think about that? Yeah, you know, sitting here today... I'm I'm still holding on to my optimistic lens, okay? And I think maybe we're just right at that inflection point where I think my own views will change in the next year or two, but I'm not there yet. And here's the reason why. So as you said, you know, look, I've also seen it, you know, I've been around 25 years plus in tech. Uh, I've seen waves come and go. I've seen, you know, the bubbles burst and all that. But I think all said and done, uh, if I compare it to what life was in the 90s to where we are today, I think by and large, generally, people have benefited from technology. I think it has uplifted all of us. I think you also kind of mentioned that. Now, okay, so here we are seeing perhaps a little bit of a step function leap, right? There's a compounded effect maybe we are seeing uh, with this chat GPT. But at least the historical data tells us that an ecosystem typically follows that tends to, uh, yes, we set the equilibrium, but generally moves things forward positively uh, in driving overall economics and the standard of living. So I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly what that would look like, Chad GPT post. I think if I had that crystal ball, I think that'd be worth something. <laughs> but I think you may have already uh, alluded to something like that. So you all, you just mentioned that, okay, I foresee... A, an app store emerging on the backs of that. Well, there you go. Okay. If there's an app store emerging on the backs of that, then shouldn't we please for a second pause and say, well, you know, app store emerged on the backs of Apple iPhone and that jewel uh, basically created a whole economy in, it, in of itself, it gave a lot of people new jobs and things like that. So that is where I hold on to my optimistic lens. Okay. Now, if it happens to be such a compounding effect as we're seeing that there could be, right, where it, it skips a few steps on the ladder, then there may be a bigger turmoil for that interim period before we settle mm. into that equilibrium. And yes, that could be somewhat challenging. That is exactly my thought. It's, we've always done this, horses, industrial revolutions, all of that, but it was stretched out, right? Now, I believe it could decimate industries overnight or in a quarter. And yes, I 100% agree with you. And I'm a very optimistic person on this. I think ultimately we, this all ends up really well, right? But the, I'm curious and I'm going to ask some more people from maybe like government or policy, somebody that specializes in this is what do we do when it happens so frequently, so fast that the unemployment happens and is so high because we're waiting for the, or unless if there's some principle where the ecosystem follows the innovation at the same rate of speed that the innovation occurs. Maybe that's something. I don't, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I think, you know, I think we, we are probably seeing that uh, come up. We have talked about it sort of in the abstract so far, right? I think as you mentioned, you know, that was sort of Elon Musk talking about, you know, what, five years, six years ago, he said, you know, it could be dangerous. There should be some guardrails. I think we're getting to that juncture. So yes, I think Chad GPT, if you are, you know, 
if you were that one person, uh, you know, as you said, if any one of these companies that used to kind of do this, curate this manually, yes, there's an immediate threat and impact. And because it could be on a large scale, then I think somebody will have to think about some guardrails. But that's kind of where the debate, I think, gets even further interesting because, you know, guardrails are really the antithesis of innovation, right? And one of the reasons why Bay Area, generally speaking, you know, United States and Bay Area in particular, or innovation has thrived is because those guardrails were not there and it let people kind of be creative and dream of things and, and go and chase those. And not everything was successful, but I think in, in, in large part because that autonomy existed. So I think that is a big question. I'm personally of the belief that, you know, free enterprise is the way to go. I think if you bring in government too soon, uh, you can put in basically breaks onto something because, you know, just kind of the fun goes away, right? But there's a moral aspect to this is what you're calling out. And I think uh, we are going to find ourselves again in some uncharted territory where, yes, I mean, if you ask the person who's going to be impacted, I mean, we're talking livelihood, right? So, yeah, I think it's it's interesting. Um, and uh, I think from a moral lens, it makes sense to, you know, put some guardrails. It cannot happen too soon because that would just cause uh, a, a, a level of unrest that, you know, we have to maintain a certain kind of a peace and quiet and, and decorum that cannot be challenged on the back. So no matter what kind of martial productivity we can get. So that's sort of my thoughts. I agree with you. And for me, as I said, I am an optimistic person. I think it's all going to work out and new jobs will come just as people were scared that the internet would kill the mail system. It did the exact opposite. And I think it takes definitely a lot of faith, you know, to get through that. And so the way I calm my mind down it, well, first of all, I'm stealing your ecosystem follows innovations and resetting the equilibrium because when you said that, it was incredibly clear. So that that helps me feel good about processing this as a whole, right? So that that is that is brilliant. As far as the people and their jobs and all of that, you're exactly right. I don't think government really ever steps in too early. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're almost always on a on a on a delay. And I do agree, though. If you bring that in, and you start forming boards. You're just going to stifle innovation and make everything super super weird. But yeah, you've given me quite a bit to think about in regards yeah. to ChatGPT. I enjoy. You've got a very sharp perspective, and it's it's different than mine. So I like that. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, but, yeah. That was just my impression. First, I was just blown away, but my. Mine went immediately into overdrive. I said, man, what, what's going on here, right? So it's not something that's just been, you know, dropped from the sky and thrown out something that you can unpack. I mean, at the end of the day, there is technology. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of my, my view. I think it'd be worth, uh, uh, I hope somebody makes, I don't know if you might have an opportunity to yeah, find out, you know, what, what's, what are the sources behind ChatGP? I, I think they have some, something exclusive there. Yeah, they have, they have to. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to do well. And then GPT-4, once it's connected to the internet and you can, it's, look, the moment this thing becomes real time, it's going to change yeah. even faster, right? Yeah, yeah no, for sure. And I think that's where they're going because, I mean, 10 billion, I was just thinking for a second, okay, why, yeah, I mean, they got all the money in the world, but why Why 10 billion? I think a lot of it is now going about just about scaling the infrastructure. I mean, I don't think we're doing by cloud competing. Yeah, so now they are 
now the tentacles kind of go out. I, uh, I saw that graph, I think, compared to uh, Chad GPT-3 versus 4, I think 3 is just like a blip, and mm-hmm. 4 is like a, you know, almost this giant of a ball in terms of the data and how much information it'll be able to process. Did you see the one so, about the about Chat GPT and the guy is asking him a question and he says, "No, my wife knows this," and it says, "Oh, your wife's. I guess your wife is right." Have you seen that one? No, my. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't have it exactly off the top of my head, but he's okay, asking okay. you a question. He's like, "No, that's wrong," and he's like, "My wife says so," and he and then Chat GPT goes, "Well, I guess you know I'm only trained up to 2021, so I guess your wife is right." <laughs> yeah, and, and I think people, specifically it was like a question about like what two plus two equals. And, and oh, okay. the guy was arguing it was five because his wife told him or something like that. And then GPT's <laughs> like, well, I guess you're right. I guess it is five. That's why I don't want to argue there. I know, right? Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.